4: From extravagant sugar sculptures during the Renaissance and Baroque eras to the sweet tooth that would ignite the transatlantic slave trade, today we trace the not-so-sweet history of sugar. My name is Eva Longoria.
5: And I am Maite Gomez-Rejon. And welcome to Hungry Hungry for for History, a podcast that explores our past and present through food.
4: On every episode, we'll talk about the history of some of our favorite dishes, ingredients, and beverages. So make yourself at home. Y buen provecho.
5: So tell me about the sugar sculptures. What do you mean sugar sculptures?
4: Sugar sculptures are these like insane literally sugar sculptures made from this resin and sugar that were incredibly expensive. And these were very popular beginning in the Middle East around the 11th century. I mean, there's a a party, a banquet in the court of Cairo in the year 1040, where they used nearly 160,000 pounds of sugar. So this is in the middle ages, right? To create these table ornaments. And let me tell you what they included. They included an orange tree. 157 statues and seven model palaces. So this is this tradition that made its way to Europe. And during the 1500s, 1600s, it was very common for wealthy Europeans to have these sugar sculptures made to decorate the tables. Mm. Um, they weren't edible. They were just purely decorative. Mm. And this is still when sugar was incredibly, incredibly expensive. And this was a sign of power. Sugar equals power. If you had access to sugar y- and you could throw away sugar like this. Why was the access to sugar hard? Because it was coming
5: from the Caribbean or where?
4: Well, not yet. When the transatlantic slave trade started, and the driving force for this was was sugar, right mm-hmm. for people to sweeten their coffee or their chocolate or their tea and then with this, and I want to talk about Latin America and Mexico specifically it, mm-hmm. it, when this happened that they were taking enslaved Africans to the different colonies and sugar became more readily available, then nobody wanted those sugar sculptures that were oh. so valuable because then anybody could have it
5: but so, in ten forty. Where did that sugar come from in Egypt?
4: The sugar was coming from the Middle East.
5: And where was it in the Middle East?
4: So sugar is native to India. Oh. And so, sugar is native to India. From India, it made its way to the, to the, to Middle, the Middle East, East. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and then from the Middle East, it made its way to Sicily, mm. to Spain, and then it made its way to the to, Americas. To the Americas, okay. right? With colonization to Portugal, you know the Portuguese, yeah, to, sugar to Brazil. Mm. And the earliest references to sugar by you know Europeans like Alexander the Great and his yeah. commanders—they got there. They they arrived in in India, mm. and they were describing this this salt that tastes like honey. Um, oh. And sort of So they didn't really know what to to call call it. it, Where did the word come from? And honey produced without the association of bees. It comes from, sugar comes from sakara. That's a Sanskrit word. So, so we see the, the Arabic they, foundings. The, yeah, exactly. Exactly in the, exactly, in in the, the
5: verbiage. In, exactly. I love from that from the, 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 the honey, the honeyed salt.
4: <laughs> yeah. This or yeah, this you know produced without the association of bees. The ancient Romans they used it as a medicine. It took, it has the consistency of salt, but it's sweet. Mm. So, and for many years it was known as the sweet, the
5: sweet salt. Um, is this why when it became popular? Is this why Europeans had bad teeth?
4: It was. Fashionable for wealthy Europeans to have tooth decay?
5: Oh, because they could have access to sugar, and because they, they could have access didn't to, brush to sugar. teeth. When did fluoride come into the picture? <laughs> that I don't know. That's beyond me. I don't know,
4: but certainly not in the 13th, 14th, 15th century.
5: So, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, are you a sugar or salt person? I love sugar. I love salt. I know. That's why the, my sa- the salt know. episode is special to me.
4: I love salt too.
5: Is this sugar episode special to you?
4: <laughs> Honestly, people always ask me, what's your favorite thing to talk about or what's your favorite class that you've taught? Uh-huh. Whatever I'm studying at the moment, I'm obsessed with. <laughs> I love sugar. I mean, if I, if you were giving me like a piece of meat or a piece of cake, I will 100% of the time choose Oh, I the take cake.
5: the meat. 100% olives? 100% take the cake. Yeah, if you give me a bowl of olives or chocolate... <laughs> Olives. That's
4: tough because I love olives. Olives is my favorite food. Okay. I
5: mean, a bowl of pretzels and, oh, and, a, and a cupcake. Chocolate. Oh, cupcake. Or chocolate. No, cupcake. No, cupcake. No. I would take pretzels, olives, potato chips, popcorn. I You can put cupcakes and cake, everything in front of me. I, w- I wouldn't. And I'd be starving and I'd be like, oh, you don't have anything else. I'm not a sugar person. I am left. The only I thing love. I loved when I was little was that piloncillo. Piloncillo? Piloncillo. Piloncillo. Did, right. piloncillo. did someone say piloncillo? <laughs> and and Maita just pulls out the biggest piloncillo. I used to have the little ones.
4: Oh, I've never seen the little so ones. So what is
5: piloncillo? Because it's just it's just it's sugar.
4: sugar. They take the sugar. Mm-hmm. So this is not super refined sugar because it's still brown. Yeah. And then they pour it into molds. Um so it's basically. What a why did the cone, cone mold? Make it's just it. a little cone, mo. Probably I know, because they stand they up used in to your sell. kitchen. Yeah, maybe. And I they know. used to sell them because they used to sell larger mm. ones, and they were brown mm-hmm. and then also white. And they used to sell them with little snips, like little clips. Mm. So you used to cut a little piece snip of sugar. It.
5: Oh my god! This is what I. This was my candy when I was little.
4: Yeah, you said that's interesting. sugar. Nothing. I've never tasted it
5: like this. Oh, like you do. I mean, I've, bit, I'm buy I've it. just it. bit it all over. Um, so good, but I used to buy it in a tiny cones, so you could have it almost like a candy corn.
4: Oh, it's delicious! Um, I've never tasted it like that.
5: Oh it's God. delicious. It's like you're just putting, it's just spoonfuls of brown you sugar. You say
4: you're not a sugar. This is like.
5: I know. Well, I do love wine. And my friend's like, of course you love sugar. You love wine. I was like, oh, yeah. I yeah. Forgot.
4: This is like pure
3: sugar. they pure sugar.
5: Is pure sugar. So the European craving for sugar exploded in the 17th century, especially to domesticate Yeah. Uh, Chocolate and coffee and tea, domesticate? To domesticate What is that? Why is that word used to to sweeten coffee and sugar? Exactly. I mean, coffee and tea.
4: Coffee and tea. Because in the 17th century, coffee, tea, sugar from, you know, from Africa, from China, from... Mexico made its way to Europe, and these were really bitter, bitter drinks. Yeah, so they weren't used to this bitter drink. So, okay, let's sweeten it to domesticate it, right? Mm-hmm. So, then it became That's about you know word. the beautiful decorative arts and all of this. But this idea of domesticating the exotic, this demand for sugar kick started
5: the slave trade, mm-hmm. yeah,
4: that lasted yeah. for you know centuries. Mm-hmm. And you know, we think of you know, sugar, it's sweet, a spoonful of sugar and this and that, but it it's has such a- very a dark side. Brutal, brutal, brutal history. Yeah. yeah brutal. It's a very
5: dark side. Very it, it, dark. I just saw a documentary called The Dark Side of Chocolate, and it was about the slave trade with the cacao beans. With the cacao, yeah. yeah. In the you Ivory see, Coast.
4: You see it with mm-hmm. so many different yeah. commodities that we just, we, we don't even think about it.
5: And then in the UK, during this time in the 17th century, they called for a boycott on sugar uh-huh. because of the slave- uh, slave relation
4: right that we start seeing that in the in the early 18th century mm-hmm. um, there was this this movement it was one of the very first Boycotts. examples of consumers using their purchasing power to say you know what no i'm not going to support that and it was actually women women before they could vote mm. they thought you know what i'm not going to buy that sugar that's produced unethically and I that. it's fantastic it's so amazing. they rejected the trade they they rejected it uh, Yes. and so did the it 1790s. and did it change it made a big difference they had i mean nearly a million followers at that time mm-hmm. you know that people that supported it so instead of buying sugar produced by enslaved africans oh they would buy ethical sugar produced in different parts of the country or beet sugar mm-hmm. which is another type you know which less is less labor by intensive beets. yeah mm-hmm. so it tastes a little bit different but this whole idea of you know what if i boycott this maybe it'll make a difference After the break, we'll hear more about the history of sugar. Don't go anywhere. Hungry for History will be right back.
1: I often get asked why I'm such a big fan of wrestling. And it's all thanks to my grandma. Growing up, we would watch matches together. And that bond turned me into a lifelong fan. Hi, I'm Freddie Prince Jr. And on my podcast, Wrestling with Freddie, we know how important it is to have the right teammate because things can get pretty tricky quick. So, when things get complicated and you need help, State Farm gives you options. They show you what's possible for ensuring what matters to you. One of the things that matters to me, sharing memories and revisiting wrestling's greatest moments. And with State Farm's support of the My Cultura podcast network, I get to do just that. Like a good neighbor, Stay Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority notified, and Amex Card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com/slash with amex.
2: This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
6: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that
2: moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board.
5: Why do I associate sugar with the Caribbean?
4: Because that—that's where it was planted in the Americas by Spaniards. By Spaniards, okay. yes, exactly. In, so in
5: Dominican Republic and Dominican
4: Cuba, Repo- and exactly. that's why
5: they Cubans did the rum, right? The rum,
4: exactly. Mm-hmm. The rum is the is a byproduct cane. of the sugar cane, yeah. exactly. So very early on, actually, 1501, Isabella mm-hmm. and Ferdinand, the Catholic monarchs, they gave Christopher Columbus. Permission to import Africans into the Dominican Republic
5: to support the sugar plantations.
4: Exactly to to create sugar plantations.
5: Oh, it wasn't even there. They wasn't even there. Oh my god! So 1501.
4: You know what? Here, I'll give you permission. So then it was called Hispaniola. Right? It's Dominican Republic and Haiti was Mm -hmm. one. First ship of enslaved Africans arrived really early in 1503, and the city Mm -hmm. of Santo Domingo was founded by Christopher Columbus's brother. So there was, like, really? the, the whole, you know, family. Bartolomeo? Bartolomeo. Bartolomeo. I
5: didn't know that guy had a brother. So there's two Columbuses that three. we have to deal
4: with? There's three. There's a son. There's a son as well. So the very first sugarcane plantation in the New World was built in what is now the Dominican Republic in 1516. Mm-hmm. And this was by Christopher Columbus's son. So—
5: the the Taino were indigenous people to the Caribbean. They were in Cuba and Puerto Rico and Dominican Republic. And after the sugar plantation started, it wasn't even like until 15 years later that the Taino population decreased so much.
4: Yeah, with diseases, with massacres, yeah. overworking them. And Suicide. Suicides, I all know. of that. All of that is devastating, yeah. totally devastating. But let's talk
5: about the process of making sugar because why did it need so much slave labor? Is it, is
4: it labor-intensive? It's very labor-intensive and it's very dangerous. Like sugar is this, is this reed, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's this really thick grass. It's like a thick bamboo stalk. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's a perfect way to describe it. It's mm-hmm. a thick bamboo Super stalk. Super thick, yeah. So, and it grows up to 20 feet. Mm-hmm. And so this stalk needs to be cut by machetes.
5: Machetes, yeah. And
4: you could grow it cut, you know, low to the ground because it you don't have to replant it because it just grows. So right? you cut it, it
5: regenerates. You cut it, it regenerates.
4: Exactly. Okay. And so those reeds, they have to be pounded. To cut. To cut, to remove the liquid. And then that liquid needs to be boiled. So if you, you know, if you've made caramel, it's so easy to burn it. It's so easy to burn yourself. I mean, hot sugar yeah. is like brutal. Yeah. And that is Yeah, you is need to get
5: it to a certain temperature in order it, for it to
4: exactly form. In order to form, to crystal, you cook it, cook it, and then there are different steps you know, for the sugar until it's the white refined sugar. So there are different stages mm-hmm. of the sugar process. Mm. But it's brutal. Of course, you wanted to do it.
5: Yeah, cutting um, it by hand is backbreaking. Yeah. I mean, just backbreaking. Exactly. And the mills at this time, they're so inefficient during harvest. And so the slaves will work in the mill basically 24 hours.
4: Yeah. And when it, there was this movement, right, the boycott movement and mm-hmm. all of that buzz in, in Europe, mm-hmm. they would have artists paint beautiful paintings of the sugar mills just to show, well, really, it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. So you have Africans who are enslaved, really well-dressed, somebody playing the it was guitar. was like propaganda.
5: Propaganda. To say no, early it's fine. It's
4: totally fine. They're happy. But didn't the didn't the slaves rebel? There were a lot of rebellions. Yeah, and one rebellion in Mexico. And Hernan Cortes arrived in Mexico early on with a whole bunch of enslaved Africans who he had actually purchased in. Cuba, but in 1570 there's a man and there was a man named Gaspar Yanga Mm. and he was brought to Mexico to work in the sugar plantations and he rebelled against the Spanish crown and he led a group of fugitives, escaped to the mountains in Veracruz and built a colony, a small colony. And so he was working with the local government and eventually he won his freedom, paved his way to freedom. And there's a town as of 1630, this town San Lorenzo de los Negros. It's actually the first self liberated and independent town In the Americas. In all the
5: Americas. In all
4: the Americas. It's Veracruz. It's in Veracruz. He's a national hero. And there's a sculpture of him holding a machete and a sugar cane.
5: Oh, Um, yes. I've seen this image.
4: It's a huge. Yeah. Uh It's a huge, Uh huge, huge image. Yeah. So, yeah, there's so much history of sugar. And it's a part of the Mexican history that nobody really talks about.
5: I really want to talk about La Huaca because we've both been there in Veracruz. It's incredible. It is Stunning. Explain what it is because I, 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 for me, I just go color, vibrancy, life, uh, and it's basically a
4: street. It is, in it's all of this, but it's color, vibrancy, life. It's beyond, right? It's phenomenal. I'm in the city of Veracruz, in the town proper, walking in a neighborhood called La Huaca, which is really, really interesting it was this this neighborhood it's just actually a few blocks and it was established in 1870 it was outside of the city um so there was it was basically there was there was a wall surrounding the city of, of Veracruz and just outside of the city is where all of the enslaved africans that worked in the sugar plantation lived so it's a neighborhood in Veracruz mm-hmm. that these homes are built from wood that were taken from from the ships, from dock ships. And it's purple and pink and yellow, yellow and just super mm-hmm. colorful. And the roofs are tiled, like French tiled roofs. And the banisters on the windows are, are from boats. It's really, really interesting. And everything is brightly painted. Um, it's kind of dilapidated. Um, so when I say brightly painting, it, it was probably looked really, really bright maybe 50 years ago. Um, but it's, it's, I've never, I've never seen anything like this.
5: It's a national treasure. Yeah. Like they, they protect that street.
4: And it's small. Yeah. It's only a couple blocks. It's like, it's only it's like two blocks. blocks. Yeah, it's yeah. only a couple blocks. Yeah.
5: The crazy thing is, like, the boats that brought them over and enslaved them, they repurposed into their homes. Oh, my gosh. Like, that, the pain of the that visual is is oh. visceral when you're on that street.
4: I didn't even think of this. The, the ships that brought them over, it's, like, inescapable.
5: Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, they had to use the same wood the of same the ships wood. that enslaved them. Yeah. yeah,
4: the same wood. That's horrible. And between the conquest of 1519... Through the 17th century, up to 500,000 enslaved Africans were brought to Mexico to work in sugar, Um, which is so interesting because it's a part of the country's history that nobody really talks about. And here I am in Veracruz, the place that they were brought into, and literally, I'm walking around where they lived. Um, I see and greens and pinks and and um, some of them are empty. Some of them are homes and some of them are little um, are little restaurants.
5: There's a lot of food stands there now. All yes. these beautiful and food stands. And music. Have this Caribbean-influenced food. Yeah.
4: Doña La Negra, the famous musician, that's where she was born and raised. Oh, Doña I didn't La Negra. know that. Yeah. Famous Mexican singer Tonya La Negra started her career performing here, and there's a there's a whole street, um, not a street. There's a there's an alley that's named after her. This is a very very cool spot. Living history. When we come back, we'll hear from Melanie Lino of Made by Lino, a bakery in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Melanie is an incredible baker, an activist, and just an incredible person. And I can't wait for you to hear from her.
1: I often get asked why I'm such a big fan of wrestling, and it's all thanks to my grandma. Sharing memories and revisiting wrestling's greatest moments. And with State Farm's support of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, I get to do just that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge.
6: Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance
3: for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global.
4: Here is baker, activist, entrepreneur, Melanie Lino of the bakery Made by Lino in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, talking about how important it is to connect to where our food comes from. She'll also share stories from her favorite childhood sweet treat, pan de batata.
0: Hi, my name is Melanie Lino, she, her pronouns, founder of Made by Lino, which is a bake shop, kitchen, and collective, and late coffee, roastery, and bake shop. We as a society are so disconnected from our food that we don't recognize um, or we don't even think about all of the humans connected to providing us with our grocery store commodity flour, all of the humans connected to the spices we buy a giant for a dollar. You know, we're not thinking that, oh, this cayenne pepper powder was picked by somebody from another country probably not getting paid decently probably having a hard time existing in our in their human experience right now while we are like oh this is a dollar this is affordable this is great but we're just so disconnected from like where our things come from my mom and father are from the Dominican Republic, born and raised, migrated here, and then had us. If you are a child to people who migrated to this country, then you know and understand how deep of a connection our parents still have to their, their homeland and what they know and what they're familiar with. I ate a lot of pan de batata with my grandmother in Dominican Republic, as a child, there will be the days where we'd just be chilling in in el balcón del apartamento de mi abuela, and there would be women who come from el campo with a big tray of pan de batata that they would usually balance such a skill, just balance it on their head. And as I got older, I learned more about the process of making the pan de batata, and something about the taste and the texture—it's just very nurturing for me. So it's you know, it's made with batata, Um, Caribbean sweet potato specifically, how it is cooked. I've learned que lo cocinan a la leña, so over a fire and also like bake it in this way where it creates like a caramelized crust on the outer part and then the inside is this very dense, moist, almost custard forward treat with a lot of spices so I'm thinking like you know some cinnamon, there's some star anise in there. So in me missing the motherland, my culture and and my connection to it when I was a kid I attempted to make my own and all of the memories I can the smells just kind of takes me back to spending time with my grandmother and my cousins and my sister and being in a space where people look like me it's really a special treat
5: So climate change is really affecting sugar production, one, because it takes a lot of water. It's a a crop that requires a lot of water. But most importantly, during the winter, low temperature is very important for the ripening of the sugar cane. Mm. And if there's not a low temperature in the winter it will not ripen. And so now, because the winters are now hotter, it's not getting low enough to ripen the temperatures. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so elevated temperatures basically reduces the ripening, which reduces the quality of your sugar cane, which reduces the quality of sugar. Isn't that crazy? Everything is connected. Everything is affected by climate change. Might be another one of those plants that goes extinct mm. and we only have chemical sugar, like mm. how we have the chemical vanilla. Like all these plants
4: are dying. I know, all these plants are dying. We really need to to take care of our planet. Take care of our planet, man. Yeah, take care of our planet. Make sure to tune in next week to hear all about the history of chocolate, the food of the gods, and one of the most incredible ingredients that Mexico has given the world.
5: Thanks so much for listening and don't forget to subscribe.
4: Bye, everyone. Thank you.
5: Hungry for History is an unbelievable entertainment production in partnership with iHeart's My Cultura podcast network.
4: For more of your favorite shows, visit the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
0: What the world needs now is positivity. Connecting, relating, and being human together is where it's at. Hi there, honey German, and I know life happens. But trust, you got this. And State Farm got us. It feels good knowing that State Farm agents are there to help you choose the right coverage with great support 24-7. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
3: I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.